Have you ever wondered where you really stand with God? Are you overcome with feelings of guilt because of things you've done wrong? Are you tired of religion that focuses on rules that you can't keep? Have we got good news for you? It's time to listen in on some casual conversation with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski and discover what true freedom is all about. This is Growing in Grace. Hey there, thanks again for joining us for Growing in Grace. I'm Mike Kapler with Joel Brzezinski, and we are here to talk about Growing in Grace. How about that, Joel? The name of our program is exactly what we're going to be doing again. That's pretty amazing, you know, considering that the name, yeah, the name of our program is Growing in Grace, and we're going to be talking about Growing in Grace. I don't know of any other program that does that, <laughs> talks about what they say they're going to talk about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's why you and I are not running for office. <laughs> exactly, because we're honest. <laughs> and even that wasn't honest. <laughs> even that wasn't. So it's your listener's choice if you want to believe us or not. <laughs> Let's take a poll and see what our listeners think. <laughs> Make sure the sampling is right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, well, hey, uh, you know, everybody has a little different idea, a different mindset as to the personality of Jesus when he was walking the earth, Joel. I mean, you can read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and a lot of people are going to read those pages and some of the things that Jesus said or did, and they're going to see things entirely different than what somebody else might see them as. For example, I can remember one time a friend of mine many years ago told me that he just could not picture Jesus laughing. And I Mm. have the feeling that there's quite a few places that I could probably point out that uh, there was some humor in some of what Jesus was saying, and I wouldn't be surprised that he had the crowds roaring from time to time. Uh, but this fellow, this friend of mine, he could picture Jesus smiling, but, but not laughing. So we all have a different perspective on, on what Jesus was trying to say and how he said it and uh, who he was talking to and those kinds of things. So we kind of want to talk a little bit about that. But also, was Jesus showing any kind of frustration with the sinner, or was he showing more frustration with the religious people, the people who thought they were doing it all right? That's a really good question. And if you think back to when Jesus, you know, was walking the earth during his um, 33 or so years that he was walking on the earth, there were probably lots of different types of people that he interacted with. He, of course, was a Jew, born under the law, born of a woman. He grew up under the law. As a Jew. And so the people that he was surrounded with during a lot of his life were those who were under the law. As I just said, that one scripture says that he came to redeem those who were under the law. And yet, at the same time, we also found out that we also fi- come to find out through Paul's epistles and, and um, through Jesus himself saying that he uh, also would go to the Gentiles, people who were not under the law. So his ministry at some at different times might have been a little bit different to different people, depending on whether they were under the law or not. But, you know, last week we were talking about the church being persecuted. You might want to go back and listen to it, but in summary, the early church was persecuted by religious people. You know, Paul said that we had to, uh, he had to die to the law in order to be joined to Christ, and that raised a lot of eyebrows and got a lot of people mad with him who who had been under the law. Well, what about Jesus uh, when he was when he was walking on the earth? The type of people that he hung around, who is it that accepted him? Those who would say, "Hey, 
wow, you know, yeah, Jesus, come, you know, sure, let's let's eat together. And who was it that said, no, uh, you stay away? Uh, you know, who was it that Jesus ticked off? So we'll talk a little bit about that today uh, on Growing in Grace, too. Yeah, you can almost picture some of those guys saying, we're not worthy, we're not worthy. <laughs> oh, Wayne and Garth were alive back then? <laughs> <laughs> so, An old Saturday Night Live, Wayne's World thing there, Alice so, Cooper. Looking at Luke 5, you got Jesus in, in this house. Some people think it was his own house, but I, I, I don't know so much about that. But there were these guys trying to get this, this person in there so that Jesus would lay hands on him and the guy could be healed. He was, he was on a stretcher. And remember the story how they had to lower him through the ceiling because they couldn't get him in because the crowd was so great? We've got to find a way to get this guy to Jesus. So they get him in there. And what's the first thing Jesus says to him when they lowered him down? Jesus said, hey, sir, uh, man, your sins are forgiven. Well, of course, the scribes, Pharisees, the religious uh, hypocrites were there. And they began to reason and said, well, who is this guy who speaks blasphemies? I mean, that's, that's a pretty serious charge from a Pharisee, by the way, mm-hmm. or, or with, with any Jew. Who can forgive sins but God alone? They knew the implication of who Jesus was saying that he was here by doing this, but Jesus perceived their thoughts. They were just reasoning among themselves. They weren't even necessarily discussing it. Jesus perceived their thoughts, and he answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or rise up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has the power to forgive sins. He says to the paralyzed guy, he says, uh, Rise up, take up your bed, go to your house. And immediately he did that. A few verses down here, Joel, I think it says that we, we've seen some pretty wild things today. That's Mike Kapler's version there. <laughs> and Levi gives him a great feast at his own house. He sees Levi, the tax collector, and he says, hey, come on, follow me. So he left, rose up, they all followed him. Levi gives him a great feast, a party. Here they are eating again, Joel. It starts out with food. They eat along the way, all the way to the Last Supper. And what did Jesus do before he rose to be with the Father? He was eating again. I love these guys. (laughs) That's why we always have potlucks and fellowships at church with food, right? Anyway. So they sat down with them, all these people, the sinners and the tax collectors. I mean, can you think of anything worse than a tax collector? I mean, really. (laughs) I'm joking. All right. But back then, I guess it was a pretty big deal because, you know, it was a different culture and stuff. And we won't go into that right now. But again, the Pharisees are complaining, saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Why are you doing that? You know, uh, and it even says the Pharisees had disciples here in this passage, Joel. Why, why aren't you like John, you know, and his disciples, or even the, the, the disciples of us, the Pharisees? And so they were complaining against him. And uh, Jesus said, there, uh, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Boy, there's a mouthful right there in that sentence, Joel. And I want to get you in here on this, but... First of all, the Bible tells us that uh, back at this time, before the cross, there was none righteous, not one. But Jesus said, I didn't come to call the righteous. I think he was trying to tell them I did not come to call the Mm self-righteous. Because that's what the Jews did under the law. All of their life, they were trying to establish their own righteousness through what they did. So he says, I came to call sinners to repentance, and a lot of people will take that as meaning, I am calling sinners to stop sinning and start doing everything right. 
And there's a place for that to a point, but that's not what repentance is. When, when people hear the word repent, they just think it means to stop sinning and start living right. That's not the gospel. It means to have a change of mind and to think differently. And most sinners, Joel, think that they are not worthy of God. They're afraid of God. They didn't think they were worthy to be with this holy man, having a party and eating with them. They're afraid of, of God, and, and they wallow around in guilt and condemnation, always feeling like they're falling short. Jesus came to say, I am calling the sinners to think differently about God and how he thinks about them. Yeah, exactly. And we find uh, one thing that, I, that this all, what you were saying there, brought to mind, if I, I'll try to make it brief, as, as brief as I can, but uh, when Paul is talking in, Roman, in Romans uh, 1, 2, and 3, you know, Paul makes a list of all these things that sinners have done, all the ungodliness and the unrighteousness of man. He talks about they were being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, uh, murder, envy, strife, and all of these evil things. And then uh, when he uh, gets to the end of chapter 1, he starts chapter 2, and, and he says, Therefore you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are who judge, for in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself, for you who judge practice the same things. The point in all that was that everybody, not just the people who didn't have the law, the Gentiles, but everybody was considered, before the cross, unrighteous. Everybody was sinners, and yet we had these self-righteous people who were under the law thinking that since they had the law, then they were the ones who were righteous, and they were the ones that God liked. They were the ones that God would hang around, not these sinners and, and tax collectors, not those people. Uh, but Paul writes all of this to get to the point that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everybody was included. And so uh, when Jesus would approach self-righteous people, you know, such as the, uh, the tax collector and the Pharisee, you know, the Pharisee said, thank you, God, that I am not like that sinner over there, like that horrible tax collector. And the tax collector said, just beat his chest and said, Father, have mercy on me, a sinner. Those are the people who Jesus went to because they are the ones who could see that righteousness could only be a gift. They could only be forgiven as a gift. They could only become righteous and have life and be accepted by God as a gift. Whereas the self-righteous people, these Pharisees who were saying, what are you doing hanging out around those people? Those people didn't see uh, the gift and the goodness of God. And so that's really a big part of what all this is about, that it has to be about God's goodness, hanging out with people like you and me before we were righteous in order to bring us to this really awesome place of having life as a gift. Yeah, exactly. Jesus... If you take a look at some of the people who came to him, talking about the, the average Joe, or Josephine, as the case may be, as you look through the eyes of grace, you can begin to see the life of Jesus in an entirely different light than what you may have seen him under a legalistic mindset. He was constantly reaching out with compassion and healing and restoration and love. But take a look at, at how, how he spoke to the self-righteous religious people who were judging everything that was being done out there, thinking that they were better than everybody else. You know, at one point, Jesus called them a brood of vipers. You brood of vipers. So he not only said that they were vipers, Joel, 
but that their mama was a viper. And <laughs> That's I mean, right. sometimes he said some things that, that seemed pretty harsh, you know, turning over tables in the temple all of a sudden. And, and that, wasn't, uh, that wasn't just a spontaneous outburst of some sort of righteous anger. Jesus sat there thinking about it. He was actually making his whip, the, the rope or the whip that he used, and, and, and went and turned the tables. He was sitting there looking around, thinking about it before he did it. He, sure, he was angry at what was going on. But when it comes to you and me, and even the woman who is caught in the act of adultery who is about to be stoned, people will sometimes take a look and say, well, see, Jesus told her not to sin anymore. Well, you're missing the point of the story when you see the compassion and the love that Jesus basically surpassed the law and extended forgiveness to her. And then he, he did tell her, he admonished her, he he, he, he encouraged her to, to go on now. You, you don't have to live like that. That, that stuff's no good for you. Now, now go on and, and, and don't do this anymore. Yeah, that's really it, Cap. I mean, this woman, uh, obviously, she was dealing with condemnation from other people, but that's not what Jesus did to her. He didn't condemn her. He told her, of course, you know, straight up, this isn't going to get you anywhere in life, but he gave her the good news that she's forgiven. She's no longer condemned. Well, in our state where we're no longer condemned, but yet sometimes we still sin, what's our identity? Is is our identity sinner when we're in Jesus Christ? Is our identity saint? The Bible calls us saints. Are we saints or are we sinners? We'll talk about that next week right here on Growing in Grace at growingandgrace.org. This has been Growing in Grace with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski. Heard online through various internet sources around the world each week. To access hundreds of past programs, visit graceroots.org. Share it with a friend and listen again next week for more Growing in Grace.